Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. We have our feisty menopause summit this weekend. Oh, so you're busy. I'm busy. I'm busy, but I'm excited about it. Um, I saw like the the online starter lineup. What the heck? That's like knocking it out of the park. (laughs) Rebecca, I mean, we had this. (laughs) We had this speaker happy hour last night, and it's like the heavy hitters were there. I mean, Rebecca Rush was there, which was really fun. Yeah. Um, and then a lot of people in the menopause space that aren't cyclists. Well, uh, Tracy, uh, Jacobs, Jacobson, she just won the state championship, um, for, uh, road cycling in Colorado in her age group. (laughs) And so, yeah, we did have some cyclists. I forgot, but, um, yeah. So we had our speaker happy hour and there's been a lot going on this past week. We launched our gravel team with our women, whiskey and wheels. Yeah. That was fun. That was fun. And that team is open and you can still go join. Um, we've got probably close to 60, 65 women in there right now and just nice. getting to know each other. And I can't keep up with them in the discord channel. There's so many great, mm-hmm. like already like asking for advice and gear and really cool stuff. So you just head over to girlsconegravel.com to learn more about that. That's my pitch. <laughs> So you've just really kind of been sitting around doing nothing. Sitting on my butt. Well, if you, um, so nobody on the call can see this, but I still have no couch, <laughs> but my bike trainer is set up now. There you go. And priorities. Yeah. I'm getting a little worried about getting a couch. Oh, it will go get, go get one of the, uh, blow up ones. They have those inflatable yeah. couches. You can <laughs> and sell it. Yeah. Um, and you have gravel camp coming up. Yep. Uh, I mean, we've been talking about it like every week, but now it's here. It's here. So by the time this comes on, we'll be done. But, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. It's the what's, weather. Mm. I was going to say, what's the weather supposed to be like? In camp? Cause like the so middle of the country is getting crazy weather. It's so good. Oh, it's good. Good. Um, I should have not said that out loud. Um, it's going to be great. The wind switched 
yesterday. So my ride today was wind out of the North for the first time in a long time and had to ride in a long sleeve Jersey. Um, you know, just because I'm kind of a cold weenie, but, um, it felt good. It's I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be the 75 miles that we're doing on Saturday are going to be hard. Um, so I'm looking forward to seeing what the, the ladies can do. Um, we'll be there to support them one way or the other. And I'm going to try to relax enough and ride with them, which will be the first. I usually end up just, I go kit it up and then get freaked out about all the logistics. I'm like, no, I need to stay here in case something goes off the rails. Um, so we'll see. I may, I don't know what I'll do. I keep thinking I'm going to do it. I'm going to ride this year. I'm just going to do it. You should and do then, it. And then I'll get there and I'll be like, I can't do it. This is just driving me. Now. I, I, I can't let control control. So anyway, yeah, it's a good year to practice letting go of that control. <laughs> and then you've got Kristen Legan coming down. Yes. She gets here tomorrow. Yeah. She gets here tomorrow. Um, and Gabby Adams is our lead mechanic. So, um, stacked female full house. I love that. Yeah. Treva Whirl, Michelle Duffy, Lynn Bluebaugh is one of the coaches. Um, so, um, and we've got some great ladies, some great women coming to join us. Um, it's, it's going to be great. And the new, a new restaurant just opened up here in Emporia and it's absolutely fabulous. And I hear they've got good cocktails. They have good cocktails and they have amazing food, both yeah. really good. And that's where they're doing all of our meals. So these ladies are going to be eating some super healthy and very tasty food. Um, and doing some great Flint Hills writing. It's, it's I'm not going to suck. It's not going to suck. We were supposed to go to Colorado for menopause summit. We were going to have like a live version. Yeah. Um, but we had a lot of indoor activities and then, so with COVID, um, some of our partners were getting a little nervous about like us having stuff indoors. So we ended up canceling it. So now I'm just sitting in my apartment, um, for the summit, but I am going to Canada in two weeks to do some work. So I'm excited. I'm excited to leave the country for the first time in a while. (laughs) Yay. Yay for leaving the country. So, yeah. So Um, we have a fantastic explorer on the Mm. podcast today. Very adventurous soul. Yeah. So the audio might be, I feel like we said this last week too, but the audio might be a little (laughs) wonky in and out because Linda was in her van and somewhere in Idaho exploring gravel routes. She's exploring routes just for you. So you'll have to like be patient, like, um, with some of the audio I'm sure, but it's worth a listen. Um, she's, a wealth of knowledge, obviously. And it made me think we definitely need to do a, like maybe our ne- next women whiskey and wheels, we can talk about devices that you should use on your bike or something. Yeah. She had uh, a lot of great tips for like, if you're exploring new places and the safety aspect, Yeah, just some really cool things that they're doing over at dirty free hub. So this was a listener suggested podcast guest, and we're really excited for you to hear our interview with Linda English. Christy, we have a new sponsor on the podcast. What? JoJ Bars has come on as one of our sponsors. Shut up. JoJ Bars are the best. I know. We both got to try them after the founder of of JoJ Bars, Jess Sarah, came on the podcast and she sent us a sample box. Which one was your favorite? Uh, My favorite was lemon blueberry quinoa, which I was not expecting. How about you? 
Uh, mine was the pancakes and bacon. Which tastes just like pancakes and bacon. It tastes just like pancakes and bacon. So and it's good. great. It's great to use on the bike or if I'm running late or trying to get out the door for a ride, which usually I'm running late and trying to get out the door. Uh, <laughs> I just grab it and have breakfast on the way. Yep. They taste good and you know they're good for you too. Jess is a chef and an athlete and she's not putting anything in her bars that she wouldn't put in her own body. Yeah. So they're all gluten-free. They don't use any artificial flavors or protein powders. It's all uh, formulated just for you for training or riding or just any adventure that you've got going on. And knowing Jess, I bet she sent you a code. She did. So <laughs> listeners of the podcast can, can go to jojbars.com and use the coupon code GRAVELLOVE15. That's all lowercase, GRAVELLOVE15 for 15% off all your orders. Nice. I'm going to get some before we go on our next gravel trip. Agreed. Hey friends, we don't want chafing to keep you on the sideline from riding your bike. So we're bringing you some good news about chamois butter. Chamois butter has come on as one of the sponsors of the girls Gone gravel podcast. They've been making chamois cream for over 30 years and they've got tons of five-star reviews. So if you have ever been to your bike shop, you've probably seen that iconic purple and yellow tube. There are several different versions, including the original, the pH neutral, her, tingly Euro style, which I'm very intrigued by, <laughs> and coconut with certified organic ingredients. They've got a special for our Girls Gone Gravel listeners. You can head over to chamoisbutter.com and you get free shipping on any orders of two tubes or more. They also have really fun limited edition merch, which I've got their cool chamois butter sweatshirt. These things, I wear this sweatshirt all the time. It's one of my favorites to wear. It's very soft and very warm. I could say if you get any of their chamois butter gear, you will definitely stand out in a crowd. When we were at uh, an event a couple of years ago, a guy had a chamois butter kit on and everybody knew who he was. Like everybody was cheering for him. So if you want to stand out, Go over, get your two tubes of shabby butter, get your free shipping, and then find some cool swag and merch. Yep. I think that sounds like a great idea. Hi, Christy. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Um, I'm excited because... Oh, go ahead. Oh. Sorry. <laughs> no, you go ahead. I was going to say, each time you come on, your rooms are looking a little bit more put together. Yeah, that's because there's no furniture. Oh. <laughs> My couch still doesn't ship. Getting a couch is as bad as getting a bike right now. Oh, uh, yeah. Um, I was going to say, you have a band buddy today on the podcast. I do. Um, we get to meet Linda English and talk to her a little bit about route planning, and she's in her van. Hi, everybody. Yes, I'm here in Idaho. <laughs> what part of Idaho are you in right now? Um, we're right on the border between outside of Boise, but it's be, uh, on the border with Oregon. So uh, tomorrow we're going to check out an area called Leslie's Gulch that I've been wanting to do for years. So we'll see if it works. We never we're never sure. Sometimes we go out there and it's not good gravel or just doesn't, you know, something doesn't work out about the route. And sometimes they're fabulous. Uh, so, yeah, we'll see what happens. It's like Christmas morning. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Are you going to get the pony or not? 
stocking or is it going to be yeah is it going to be a pony under the tree so yeah if you've ridden gravel you know you never know what you, what's going to happen I mean I've climbed over logs for three miles I've uh, pushed bikes through snow uh, let's see what else mud mud's probably one of my least favorite I really hate when you hit mud and it gets all stuck to your bike and you're like oh god I'm never going to get out of here yeah. then you know that that's just followed by a big cleanup session which also sucks <laughs> It's really bad if you're trying to use your water bottle as the cleanup session. So. <laughs> I used to, bef before I had a bike rack, I used to put my bike in the back of my car, which was a, fine when I rode a tri bike or a road bike. But when I started riding gravel, I was like, it's time to upgrade to the bike. Because I was always stressed. Like my bike's on the back of my car. Like I live in a city. Somebody's going to rear end me for sure because they drive like crazy. I got over that after a few muddy sessions. It's like, all right. What got you into um, exploring all these gravel routes? Well, what happened was um, my husband had a bad crash on a mountain bike years ago. And um, so I immediately was, I, I was a road cyclist and I was opportunistic and I thought, great, he can, he can be our support. So we started riding out in the Ochocos. We do these long point to point rides with my girlfriends and we kept riding by all these gravel roads and yet we were on paved roads and there was traffic on the paved roads. And we kept thinking, why don't we ride on the gravel road? So he would drive off and explore them and look at them and he'd come back and go, wow, that, that gravel road's really cool. So we ended up buying uh, gravel bikes. And I mean, I was a totally failed mountain biker. I could not do rock, rock art and save my life. I still not very good at them. But now if I do them and I'm on a gravel bike, I just complain and say, oh, if only I had a mountain bike. But that's not the truth. The reality is I still don't do, I, I've never been able to do rock cards. Um, so that's kind of what got me into uh, gravel, gravel uh, cycling is, you know, just looking at the area that we live in and thinking we've got all these wonderful roads um, that are farm roads or they're logging roads. Um, why are we not riding on them? I also, I'm a chatty one, so <laughs> mountain biking for me was always a problem and road cycling where I can't, it's hard for me to talk to people where if we're out on a gravel road and I can ride right next to somebody, that's perfect. I love that. That's, that's super fun for me. And where's home when you're not living in your van in Idaho? Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my hometown is Bend, Oregon. Uh, a few people know, know about it now, but uh, it's kind of a crazy yeah. place to be right now. Yeah, it doesn't suck there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, only November. That's the only month I don't. I don't like November. The rest of the time, I love Bend. Or when it's smoky. It's been smoky, so not good. Yeah, yeah. I've had friends there this summer that said that it was. It's been pretty bad. Which it was actually very high on my list of places to move to. But then everybody in California also put it really high on their places list of places to move to. So it went down because I was like, mm, housing seems a little crazy here. Yeah, no, housing is insane in Bend right now. I think housing's insane everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so how long have you been riding bikes? Oh, that's a good question. I, you know, I started out as a runner, um, like a lot of cyclists, and then started getting injured. So I think when I was in my 30s, um, I started riding, my, uh, riding a bike to uh, counter all the injuries I was getting from so much running. Oh, yeah, I can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> it's horrible. Running's hard on your body. <laughs> and yeah, then you and, your you and your husband have a, a, a non, it's not a nonprofit now, right? Called Dirty Free Hub. 
Is that correct? Correct. It's a nonprofit. Yep. It's called Dirty Free Hub. And Dirty Free Hub is an online guide for um, great five-star gravel routes across uh, the Western U.S. Um, Obviously, we have a lot in Oregon. We have 4,000 miles in Oregon. We have 8,000 miles overall. Um, We have a lot of routes down in Arizona outside of Tucson because we've spent a couple of winters there. We really, really like riding out of places like Ajo and Portal um, are just fabulous places to ride. Um, And then across Oregon, um, there's amazing places. We love the Ochoco's Camp Sherman area outside of Sisters. Uh, There's just endless opportunities out there. But we found is, is that when we started gravel cycling, it was really hard to figure out where to ride. You'd get out there and you'd be in this maze and sometimes you'd get lucky and sometimes you wouldn't. So we started putting together routes and uh, uh, they're really fun. You know, we name them crazy things like Bonanza or um, uh, Sherman's March, which is in Camp Sherman area or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's, it's just been a lot of fun to pull together routes. Our typical route is about 40 miles long and about uh, 3,000 feet of gain um, or 4,000 feet, depending on where you're at. But um, we have some shorter, some longer. We have some bike packing routes. Um, we also tag all of them as being e-bike friendly or not. So some some routes are good for e-bikes, and if they use some trails that are not allowed on, then of course we we tag them so that you know you can't be on them. That's super awesome. I didn't. I haven't checked it out yet, so I'm totally going to be checking it out. When did you guys start the site? Um, our first route was a route in Bend called Water and Lava and went up on our site in 2014. So we've oh been doing goodness. it for a while. Yeah. <laughs> it takes a while to put together 8,000 miles for the routes. Tell us how you come up with the names for these routes. Uh, naming is just something that's really creative. Um, we'll be riding along and we'll say, you know, what do you think the name should be? And we'll try to, uh, we, you know, whole crazy thing right in, a, in an area that we kind of had a wild west theme going on so we called it bonanza or we were um, on another route and we came across six shooter road which we just thought was a great name six shooter so that became a route um sometimes it's uh it can be just about the route there was a route where part of it felt like a road ride and thought part of it felt like a really hard hard mountain bike ride so we called it dichotomy <laughs> <laughs> so it's just it's all over the map just but that that's uh, becomes part of the process when you're riding the route as to the naming is is probably one of the, the most fun things that we end up doing kind of like figuring out what you're going to call your strava ride <laughs> <laughs> exactly what was today like out there right 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 well before we came online i mean you you talked about two things that really like interested me. One of them, you were describing your Deschutes project that you did. Can you talk a little bit about to the audience about that project? We're so Dirty Free Hub. We're really excited about getting people out and riding bikes. Um, But we're also excited in the social mission. Um, Sort of what happened a year ago was we, you know, we had all these routes and we were going along and we were having a good time. And then there was a, a head of the Deschutes Land Trust, which is a big land trust in Bend, Oregon. Um, he contacted us and he said, hey, there's this area that we really want to help um, protecting. You know, we're trying to raise the funds to protect this area. It had a lot of our routes that went right through it. And so we said, you know, sure. How do you want us to do that? And he says, what about doing a webinar? We said, oh, OK. So we threw together a webinar and it was, you know, during COVID, everybody was kind of bored. So we figured, you know, a few people might show up. We had over 100 people show up. 
And um, cyclists were super passionate about this area because it's where we ride, right? There's probably five or six routes that, that, you know, that we all love and we're all attached to. So we wanna see that area protected. So we started realizing that we um, have a much bigger social uh, mission than just um, being uh, a, a route guide. Um, and so you'll find a lot of podcasts and other information and links to um, some of the organizations that are connected to these area. Uh, we've even done a podcast on um, a tunnel that we go through and there's an artist that created this great mural that you go by and you know you don't really think much about it as you're cycling but what we want is we want people to stop and to say oh wow look there's this really cool mural what is this about oh it's about women in dis um, and discovery um, and it's about famous women who've discovered things over the years so it's it's a fun mural and we should get to know that artist and get to know the story I, I really love the idea of blending the two projects because it makes a ton of sense. I mean, I think cyclists, especially gravel cyclists, um, are paying attention to where we are and, and are, that's why we're there um, a lot of times is the exploration part of it. So to be able to combine those two missions is, that's pretty unique. Yeah, it is. It is. It's really fun. Um, we we are working with everybody and we're also looking at it from how can we educate cyclists on being better citizens? Um, for example, uh, we're working with uh, some farmers um, and talking to them about when we go through a farming area, what should we do? How do we pass a combine? How do we deal with cows? I mean, we run into cows all the time, gravel cycling. How do I deal with a loose bull? <laughs> That's probably one of my least favorite things. I can't decide if it's dogs or bulls that I hate worse, but Wait, are you saying the word bull? I'm sorry? Like a bull? A bull? Yeah, a bull, like a cow. Yeah. <laughs> We have a loose, if I saw loose. a bull, I would be like, <laughs> I guess I would chase you. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, Christy, you you have a few uh, animal far, farm stories have you to chased tell. chased by a bull, Christy? Um, I haven't been chased by a bull, but I did have, uh, when we were out exploring a route for Unbound one year, I had three cattle jump the cattle guard in front of us. Like they got, like we slow down you know, like, and try to let them do their thing. And these three just, for whatever reason, got on the road and they wouldn't get off. And then I'm like, well, the cattle guard's coming up. So they will go different directions when they get there. They didn't, they all three jumped the cattle guard and we ended up hurting them clear into town because they wouldn't, you couldn't get around them because they were too fast. But you know, they, when they would like, we would slow down. And so they would slow down. We try to figure out it, it was a mess. And I was just like, this is ridiculous. Like these three cows that we herded probably 10 miles. <laughs> Whose cows are these? <laughs> come get your cows. Well, you kept thinking you're going to see a car come or something to kind of help counterbalance what we were doing. It, it was a, it wasn't fun. But yeah. And dogs too, you know, farm dogs can, I mean, they, they can be mean, but yeah, bulls are out there. I've never had one chase me down, but I've definitely seen them. <laughs> so. Yeah. 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 That's crazy. How do you find the stories like of the places that you're, you're going to be riding? So um, typically we'll start looking at an area. We'll think we'll hear somebody will say, Oh, look, there's a great route out there. We have actually have on our, on our website, a way to submit routes as well. So if uh, somebody has a great route, sometimes we'll, we'll get a route submitted um, we have ambassadors sometimes that will go out and, um, and, and ride them and give us some feedback. Um, but 
in terms of collecting the stories, you know, it's just it's just sort of about being aware. Sometimes there's a sign that says, you know, there's Monarch Butterfly Organization that's protecting this area. Um, we'll talk to people. The other day we stopped by a winery. We started talking to them and they started telling us the whole story about the area. We flagged down loggers to talk to them about what's happening in an area. So it's really about going out there and being, um, I would say, open and, and, and doing the research. Um, every just about every organ every every area has an organization that's that's something to do with tourism. So they're a good start. Um, but a lot of our information just comes from good old web research and saying, "Huh, I wonder what that is." You know, we were out in an area, um, Sumter, uh, Oregon, which has this. All of a sudden, you're, in, you're you're driving along, and there's this huge boat in the middle of nowhere. Like, like, what is this boat doing? Well, it's called the Dredge. And it's all about the gold mining area. It's the, it's the boat that they show you how they do gold mining. And we put together a gravel route out there. And, and so we can roll in all of the information about the history of gold mining. It's one of the biggest gold minings in the entire West. So it's, it's stuff like that to me that's really fascinating and makes, makes a route, you know, a lot more unique than just, okay, I'm going down a gravel road, you know. <laughs> I saw I saw a forest for 40 miles um, and uh, I, I don't really know what I was looking at. You mentioned about the, you know, and you just you just alluded to it with with looking at tourism sites and whatnot. Um, you know, the experience that I've had here in the last 15, 16 years with Unbound, the economic development that's come to Emporia has been substantial, um, you know, life changing, really, for for this for this community. Um are you able to make that connection when you're talking to these tourism towns about the economic impact of tourism from cycling? Absolutely. Um, when we go to a town like Maupin, Oregon, you know, their mayor wants to meet with us. I mean, that's that's how excited they get. Because if you think about it, we're not walking into the town and saying, hey, you've got to put in mountain bike routes. You have to put in kiosks. You have to put we, we don't want anything from them um, except approval, you know, really. So they're super excited about uh, about Dirty Free Hub, about what we can provide. We're going to promote, you know, their area. And, and that's in some of these towns, like there's a town, Dayville, Oregon. We have a great route out there called Murderer's Creek. And, you know, Dayville, you know, that's a drive. That's a long drive from nowhere. And yet I can name probably 15 people that have gone out there to spend the night, you know, spend money in the town and, and do the ride, ride the next day. So that's pretty exciting to me. Um, when you think about some of these little towns, uh, Ajo, Arizona is another town that we've worked closely with. They're really, it's a depressed area. And yet you go out there and this desert is, in, it's just phenomenal. I mean, you ride through there and you just cannot believe the cactus and the wildlife you see, and you're just like blown away. So that's a perfect place for us gravel cyclists to go out and ride. It's amazing. You, you mentioned Murder's Creek there. Is there a story there? <laughs> <laughs> Cause well, it sounds course. like a really welcoming ride. <laughs> <laughs> I'm signing up for that one next. <laughs> it is actually, it's really cool. It has a, it's this amazing history. Um, you go out to this, this old farm that's, you know, that they've preserved. And uh, there was a, some famous murder that happened out there. I think it was linked to somebody had discovered gold, had gold, and then they, you know, somebody had grabbed and killed the people and ran. So it was one of those, those amazing scenarios. I don't think they ever found the murderers, but I, I love the, I love the name of it. Murderers Creek though. It does. It sounds really scary. It's not a scary ride at all. I can assure you it's a beautiful ride. <laughs> Just That's like funny. connecting the dots here. 
there was a road on this route we did it all the time in Georgia called I don't know what the actual name of the road is but I called it serial killer lane because I was like this is where the serial killer takes people <laughs> and they never come back but then I had to be like but I've read this a lot of times by myself it's perfectly fine Right. But there was like an old shack that I was like, that's where he lives. That's where his victim is. That's where he's at. I know. It's <laughs> funny how you will have this place that always scares you. You know, you're like, sure, like that's going to be the place where the bear or the cougar or something is going to eat you is at. And you're like, never happens. <laughs> and really, like the time that you're most in danger is like the two miles you're on the actual road and cars are whizzing by you. Oh, yeah. And yesterday, you know, we rode, I don't know, I don't know how many, 45 miles. And I can assure you the most dangerous thing I did was cross a highway the whole time I was out there. You know, I mean, by far, it was a scary highway. That's true. Yeah. So you all get to do this full time now then, since you've created this as a nonprofit? Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I'm not being paid. So that was the question now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's not how I pay my bills. It wouldn't be a good idea. Um, but yeah, we, I, I think that, you know, there are organizations we're starting to partner with that are really interesting. Um, Oregon Parks and Rec Department is really interested in us. Um, Visit Bend, um, a, a tourist or, tourism organization um, funds us. So, and also our, um, the cyclists to go out and use our routes are awfully generous. And we really appreciate when they'll send us, you know, 10, 20, hundred bucks. Um, it's great. It's really, really amazing when we get those checks. So that's, that is how we, we uh, are funded. Um, we do have expenses. <laughs> Technology expenses are, are probably our biggest one. And then we are starting to realize the administration on this is really difficult. So um, to keep you know, all of these routes updated and um, the technology updated. Um, so we are, we've hired an admin and we're starting to offload some of the, the work that, that you know, we're not as excited about doing. But long-term, we want to build a sustainable organization. We think we've got a you know, great idea. And we want to, um, we, we want to really see that, that, that blossom and for us to get a lot more routes, um, for us to build a lot more community partnerships, um, that is going to require some funding for us. Well, since you all are experts at route discovering and route planning, I'd love like for you to give people, we get questions all the time. Like, how do I find good routes or how do I put together a good route? Like, what are some of your best tips for creating and putting together good routes, especially most of our listeners are women. A lot of them maybe ride by themselves. And so safety becomes a concern. Yeah. Um, well, first off, finding good routes. We look for what we call our anchor points. We also look for variety. I don't want 45 miles of a, of a straight gravel road. What I want is to see if I can, you know, throw in some, some variety into it. You know, even hopping on a little single track here and there. Um, we really, for a route design, we try to... We have a sort of a, a mantra that is you climb gravel and you descend on pavement. So if at all we can do that, um, there's nothing better than to do a hard gravel you know, uphill and then blast down a paved road. That's super fun. We have a whole bunch of routes to do that. Um, so I think it, some of it is being aware. We, we spent a lot of time on Strava and looking at heat maps, um, looking at areas uh, to rob people. Um, for safety, you know, what I do is I make sure I'm carrying <clears throat> um, a device that works and I know how to use it. Um, I have a, a Garmin inReach that I carry. I carry actually, if I look at it, I have three forms of navigation on me. Um, and 
I know how to use navigation. A lot of people don't really practice navigation until they're out in the woods and then they're like, oh God, I don't know where I'm going. <clears throat> so I think um, probably one of my best tips for learning navigation is when you're on a group ride, download and pretend like you are not on a group ride. And you should be challenging that person for every corner that they're taking and really paying attention um, so that when then then you will feel start feeling confident. Um, we have a couple of rides that are super, super tricky to navigate, yet they're really close to town. Um, and I always tell people, yeah, go out and test yourself on the water and lava route. And then you'll see if you really know navigation. But if you get lost, who cares, right? You're close to town. There's a million people running through that section of the woods. Um, but what you don't want to do is you don't want to get lost in an area where there's nobody. Um, we ride in places like the Ochoco National Forest, where for four or five hours in a, in, a, in a ride, you won't see another person. You won't see another car. You, there's, you know, there's no option. You can't get lost out there, right? So I, I think that it's, it's a lot about common sense about practicing, practicing, pra practicing, you know, getting your devices, having backups, you know, do you have more than one navigation device for people that are navigating only with a phone like that, that would scare me mm -hmm. um, personally to just go way out in the woods. Now, if I was in a place that had tons of farmlands and, you know, we ride over it near Portland, there's these beautiful areas uh, that you can ride and, you know, okay, I'd have to knock on a door and my pride, you know, is a little but shattered who cares right yeah um, so that's, that's a whole different it's sort of evaluate your risk right you know it depends on where i'm going and, and what i'm doing you mentioned the inreach um and i think a lot of people don't understand i mean that's obviously a device that you're going to be using when you're you don't have reliable cell service and so like explain the difference between just a regular head unit that you would have like a Wahoo or Garmin 1030 and, and the inReach? What's the difference between those two devices? So I use, I use a Wahoo device for my navigation. It's got a straight line. It's really simple. For me, it's really simple to use. It tells me it starts beeping at me as soon as I'm off course. Mm -hmm. My inReach device is something different. That is um, communicates with the outside world. It's got satellite communications on it. Um, and my husband and I each carry one. So that's how that's how serious we are about being able to communicate because I, I don't want to just be able to communicate with 911 services. I want to be able to communicate with him out there as well. Um, and so so that to me, what I'm carrying that device for is a communications device. It also does tracking. So um, I also always leave my route with, um, there's a friend of mine who's a, who's a real technology nerd and is kind of a, you know, he's one of those people that he pays attention, right? And he's always reachable. And I, he always has our routes, no matter where, where we're going, what we're doing. He knows what my plan is. He knows if I'm not back by X amount of time that he needs to start thinking and worrying about me and figuring out, hmm, where, where is she? Why hasn't she communicated? That takes some, some getting used to. As soon as I'm off a ride, I'm communicating with him and I'm telling him, yep, I'm off. I'm done. All I just write is done that he knows, you know, she's done. I've sent him my ride in the morning. I sent him done when, when I'm done with it. So it takes a lot of discipline to do some of these things, but 
I had a really bad crash a couple of years ago, way out in the middle of the Ocho Coast. And, you know, luckily it wasn't hard to get me out. Luckily, luckily there was a whole bunch of things that worked into my favor, but it made me start thinking about where I ride and what I'm carrying. And do I know where I'm going? And every single person who rides with me, I will say, you need to know now, because if you got to rescue me, I want you to know how to get back to the car, right? not just going forwards or backwards, right? They either need to be able to turn around and head back or they need to be able to go forwards and be able to find the rest of the route. So, or even find an alternative. Um, you guys both have ridden a lot and every now and then you end up in a sketchy, sketchy situation. You know, you just, you want to give yourself options. Yep. Sorry if I'm sounding so preachy. I'm not meaning to. <laughs> no, I think it's, I think it's good because I don't, I don't think, um, <laughs> this is an, an, a little bit ancient story, but, but we used to own a music store and we had a, a piano teacher come in one time and she was an older lady and she brought her home um, cordless phone in and was asking me why she couldn't use it as a cell phone. I'm like, well, it, do, it doesn't work that way. And, and so really when you start looking at these devices and understanding what the difference is and, and the roles they play, and, and you're talking about longer expeditions or you're talking about exploring more remote areas, it's really great to understand what options are there and the habits that you should have going in um, to, so that you are safe. I mean, you know, I do almost all of my rides solo around here and I do them all, you know, they're long. And my husband, you know, I have a live tracker on, so he knows when I leave that it, it lets him know I'm out. Do he, does he always know my route? No, but he knows where I'm at on the route. Um, and that's through the Garmin 1030. I know Wahoo does the same sort of thing. So there's yeah. a lot of features built into your head units. Um, and even into your phone that you can, you know, people can know where you're at, but you know, the inReach takes it up a whole other level. It's a really unique device. Um, it's not, you know, it's a, it's a satellite technology basically. And you can communicate with your husband via the inReach, correct? Like you can send him What's basically a text message. Right, um, right. It, it is and it isn't. There's some training that you should go through. Yeah. If you're really getting serious about this, and, and we can go on a long time about this, but we went through a training class and it was great. Yeah. Because SAT, SAT communications works a lot differently than, than your phone. Um, it can come in out of order. It takes time. Um, so you, you've got to get used to that concept that I'm not just sending him a message and bam, he gets it. Um, and if you're in a really critical situation, then, um, you really need to have those protocols, uh, nailed down. So, uh, which we've spent a lot of time and we also, a lot of times like, well, like the other day we split up, you know, I was like, I want to, I want to have a shorter route you want to go longer you take off you go longer well now we're communicating through this we're just sending each other texts we're out in the middle of nowhere all of a sudden i see this flashing you know cop car go by and i'm thinking to myself oh, crap you know i hope he didn't crash well i just you know sent him a message and he sends me a message back no i'm fine you know somebody else crashed you know there was a car accident out here but it, you know so those kind of things are but are great but you you've got to know what you're doing and and some people just carry these devices so they can hit the emergency button in case anything happens and that's fine too no judgment here i think that's wonderful that's what you know that's what you're going to carry it for but just understand how it works right and because that inreach isn't you don't need a cell signal doesn't matter right 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 but sometimes they sometimes they don't work as well as you think they're going to so that's the big trick is you you <laughs> want to really understand how those device works so that you're you're you're, you're having an idea of who's going to rescue you and who's showing up i actually interviewed our nine 
um, our uh, search and rescue, head of search and rescue to find out what happens when I push that button. Ah. And he was really interested. He kept, you know, he says, well, you know, we send whoever's closest out there. So you might get a sheriff's car, you might get, you know, whoever we can find. I go, okay, well, now I know you're not sending a helicopter out to find me. So that that's definitely not happening. Yeah. What are some other things that you take, like, especially when exploring new areas? I know, like, I carry, especially if I'm with a group um, or on my own, like a little first aid kit that somebody gave me that's got, you know, some basic stuff in there. And then, um, especially if I don't know the area, I take extra food just because you never know. And there's nothing worse than, like, getting hangry <laughs> and being lost. Right, right, right. I mean, water, food to me, um, uh, you know, it's been so hot all summer. All of a sudden I realized yesterday, I'm like, you know, I'm not really carrying a hat and gloves anymore. Probably not a good idea if you live out in the West uh, um, where weather out here can really change um, fast. Um, and duct tape is always a good thing to have on here. <laughs> we had to duct tape a, a bike together not too long ago. So um, that one, um, I, I think that probably the biggest thing, biggest mistake people make is in not really checking their bikes before they take off. Um, so being a little bit more preventative, you know, uh, we have, we have goat heads out West and, and you know, you can have, end up with 25 goat heads in your tires and it takes a lot of goop of your, you know, your sealant to, to get home <laughs> if that's going to happen. So carrying, sure, making sure you're carrying extra sealant is probably the biggest one. If you're running tubeless tires, which I hope you are, our joke <laughs> is, you know, we, we don't let fr friends, don't let friends run with tubes anymore. <laughs> At least out here, we have so many problems with them. <laughs> I love that. Anytime yeah. anybody asks me, tubes or tubeless? Tubeless, what? What? No, no tubes, <laughs> no tubes for you. The only place your tube should be is in your saddlebag. <laughs> right, 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 right. Totally agree with you on that. So, um, but yeah, carrying extra sealant, you know, we've had a whole group of cyclists taken out by goat heads. That was not a fun day. So it took us a long time to get everybody out. I don't know what a goat head is. A goat head is some weird plant. It's a really, really low vine. And, and it has these, these things that it's just like a small circle with this spike on it that is the, the hardest to break spike. I have ridden 20 miles where the, the whole goat head is stuck into that tire for the entire ride. Um, that's pretty amazing. Oh, the other thing I would say is we ride with uh, inserts. Um, we um, uh, ride with Cushcore inserts. And the re there's a couple of reasons to do that. One, it takes a little chatter out of the, the, the bump in the roads. Uh, but the other thing too, is you can ride your bike out flat. It's not fun. I've done it. Um, but your bike is still rideable, even if it's completely flat. So that that's, a, that's something to think about out you know if if you're worried about flattening flattening out good tip oh, we just had casey armstrong just told us that she started riding those in For races sure. and she was like i got a flat not far from an aid station and i just rode my my tire to the aid station so taking the time to fix it on the side of the road and then there were you know there was like mechanical help at that aid station <laughs> so oh, yeah it's pretty amazing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I didn't believe it until, until we had a bike that totally flat and I was like, Oh, I'll, you know, ride it out of here. We'll see how long it takes. But yeah, it was, it was, it was a good workout. <laughs> <laughs> Why does it feel like I'm going uphill when I'm going downhill? Right, 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 right. <laughs> but it's what it's designed to do, right? It's not, yeah. 
it's not designed to like you know have made made a great experience for you. It's designed to help you know allow you to ride out and uh, and get out to where you need to go. So that's the way you got to look at it. Awesome. So you're in Idaho looking at routes right now. Where where else do you have your eye on this fall that you're looking at, at routes? Um, well, I, we're definitely, we're heading back to Bend. So we're probably looking at some more Oregon. Um, I, I'm really interested in some of the coastal routes. Uh, Oregon coast looks interesting. Of course, Washington, now that you're there, um, is definitely I, I a need high, to come, <laughs> <any routes. laughs> high on That's my list. <laughs> um this this winter we'll be back down in arizona so uh, there's plenty of more roads to look at um arizona is a little trickier just because they can have these jeep roads that are hard and i mean they're really hard like you you'll just be wishing you're back on a farm road somewhere in uh, in kansas <laughs> So yeah, those two areas. Um, but we're also, you know, we're starting to do a lot more partnerships with other organizations um, and um, finding more, more ambassadors, people who are, are excited about contributing routes. So I'm hoping we'll be able to uh, provide a, a greater coverage um, a, across the West. Well, how can people get in touch with you and um, follow you on social media? And then also like if they're interested in being one of your ambassadors, chat with you about that or they want to connect you with something in their city that's really cool for their little yeah. town. Yeah, no, we're really excited to um, to work with other, other other organizations. So we are at dirtyfreehub.org. Um, and um, you can also follow us on Instagram on sla- um, uh, under Dirty Free Hub and on Facebook as well. We, we do a lot of posting on, on both of those. Well, thanks so much for joining us, Linda. Um, I can't wait to meet you when you come up to Washington and we go ride together. Yeah, and you can ride fun. with Christy in Arizona over the winter. Yeah. Oh, Christy, where are you going? Um, we have a place in Patagonia, uh, south of Tucson, about six. Oh, yeah, I do a lot of running down in Patagonia. It's a nice yeah. area. Be happy cool. to have you. Oh, that would be fun. I look forward to it. All right. Hey, listen, thanks, guys. That was super fun. Christy, do you know one thing that I'm really sick of? What is that? All the freaking trends and they're coming out in wellness. Like, eat this, uh, avoid that. I don't even yeah. know where to start. Uh, yeah, I don't know where to start. I don't know who to trust. Yeah, but we have a new sponsor that I'm pretty excited about. Have you have you yes. done your setup? Yeah, I'm so stoked. Yeah, so Inside Tracker is our new sponsor, and they're gonna cut through all the noise, and they're gonna analyze our blood, DNA, lifestyle, and fitness trackers, and then we get personalized, science-backed, trackable action plans for how we should eat, age. We need that, and perform better. I know. I'm excited. It's the cool thing about it is it's, it's cheaper and it's way more convenient than the traditional blood tests. Um, they include biomarkers that are key to performance. So so information that we're not getting from traditional blood tests. Um, and I think my favorite part is that they're not just going to give us the data, but they're providing us with nutrition and lifestyle tips to help us take action and cut through the noise. Yes. I love that. Cause I feel like whenever I go to the doctor and I get blood tests, I have no idea what to do with them. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I don't, they don't apply to like whatever I'm doing. Um, and the good news is because they are a sponsor of the podcast, all of you all get 25% off their entire store. You just go yes. to insidetracker.com slash girls gone gravel. Change is an inside job. Start on the inside. 
You have been listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. This podcast is edited and produced by the team at Live Feisty Media. If you've enjoyed the show, please leave us a rating. It really helps other women find the podcast. And be sure to follow us at Girls Gone Gravel on Instagram or Facebook.